The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, thank you for our brother as he comes to preach on discipleship. A little bit different today with all the, the interaction, Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that it's your word, and I know it's Jeff's heart, is that he desires, among anything else, that you be lifted high and you glorified. People are reached and people grow. Father, thank you for our brother. Speak to us. May our ears be open wide like Dumbo. May we have those big spiritual ears to hear everything your spirit would speak to us, Lord. Forgive us our sins. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Morning, everybody. Hope you had... Somehow, this makes sense. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Well, I'll tell you what, George Burns once said, (laughs) we started this way. The secret of a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending, <laughs> and to keep the two close together as possible. So, so I'll do my best to do that today. Okay, guys. All right. Um, G.K. Chesterton wrote, "Even a bad shot is di- dignified when he accepts a, a duel." As I stand here unworthy of this pulpit, I just thank you here. Uh, today for listening to what God has put on my heart on this subject, discipleship, and, and I thank you for your support this morning. Really do. I really love you guys, okay? Uh, I'd like to say an old Anglican prayer, please. Bow your heads. Dear Jesus, what we do not know, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, before I get started on today's subject, I want to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of all. He rescued us from the bondage of sin, from the consequences of sin, which is eternal separation from the Father. Jesus did this on the cross when he paid our sin debt, and because of God's grace on us, he looks in our hearts, uh, looks in the hearts of us sinful, broken folks like us and sees something worth saving. So I plead that if you uh, have not specifically asked Jesus into your life, today would be that day. Please don't wait. I'll talk to you after service. There's a lot of us here would love to talk to you. If you have any questions why Jesus loves you, please, please talk to us. Okay, Okay. Uh, 1 John 3.11 says, For this is a message I have heard from the beginning, that we have heard, you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So today's question is, are all of us, who know the Lord disciples? Are we? Or are there some prerequisites we must meet before we are called disciples? A disciple should, uh, could be called a student, a learner by definition. But actually, a disciple is more than that. A disciple is one who follows. That means a disciple yearns to live like their teacher or their philosopher, their leader. Okay? It's a yearning. What is the biblical definition of, of a disciple? 
Well, a gifted student can excel past his teacher, like uh, Albert Einstein, Armadale Mozart, the Reverend Darren Smith. Don't you agree? <laughs> He's shaking his head over here. But when describing a disciple, Matthew records Jesus as saying, a disciple is not above his teacher. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher. Okay. So what's the first thing we know Jesus, our teacher, our leader, our philosopher did? What's the very first thing he did? Peg, would you read uh, Luke 2.46? First thing that we, other than being born, what's the first thing we know Jesus did? After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. He went to small group. <laughs> first thing he did. Isn't that great? So there you go. You sincerely want to follow Jesus. Let's start by going to small group. We are, we are marking signs of a healthy church. Well, one sign is how well our people connect with each other. Building relationships. Think of what can be gained emotionally and spiritually if you get a better understanding of Scripture through asking questions, expressing opinions, even getting something off your chest with a close group of friends. I find it to be a highlight of my week, and that's true. History teaches us, teaches us, for the first 300 years of the church, there was no church building. For 300 years, everyone met in somebody's house. Before uh, Emperor Constantine recognized Christianity as a legal religion in 313, the earliest known building devoted to Christian worship was built in 230. And it wasn't until 1780 the two Englishmen uh, first established a Sunday school for the poor and orphaned. Twenty years later, by 1800, 200,000 children were, were enrolled. And by 1850, it grew to two million. Seems to me that there was a great void that needed to be filled that the church neglected all those centuries. Small group's important, guys. I think uh, today's world has just as great a need. Matthew 28, 20 says, When two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there among them. Praise God. So please, may I encourage you to hook up with someone. The idea is to open up avenues of learning to the goal of being like our teacher. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm not going to go into the do's and don'ts of discipleship. These, these are what these are for. This is... This is a year-long uh, discipleship class that Steve Braden and I took many years ago with the lovely Ron Mann. It was very good. And Ann and I uh, took this class. I got it backwards. This is the one Steve and I took. It doesn't matter. Ann and I took this class at Maple Baptist Church last uh, winter. It was a three-month class. And these are great opportunities to learn about discipleship. And I encourage anyone who has the opportunity to, to do so. But... There's a lot of do's and don'ts. I'm not going to go that route. Instead, I want to uh, look at what a disciple is. I think that a uh, disciple has three main characteristics, or I like, I like to think uh, disciples have three main desires. Okay? Number one, first is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to worship him exclusively. This is at the heart of Jesus' ministry on earth. There are no other living God. There is no other living God. Jesus told the woman at the well, the Father is seeking true worshipers. 
John 4, 21 through uh, 24 says, so Jesus wants us to worship the Father in, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Jeff, would you read uh, John 4 there for me? Jesus said to her, woman, believe in me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do, not you do not know. We sure worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the truth, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay. So Jesus wants us to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. If we are to follow Jesus, we are to worship God through Jesus. Would you give that to Ruth? Ruth, would you read uh, John 14, 6, please? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay. Jesus is the truth and our mediator. Could you give that to... Thanks. Trish, would you read 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, please? For For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the appointed time. Hmm. Okay. Many in society in society are irritated by the, exclu- the exclusiveness of our faith. You guys seen those coexist bumper stickers? You know what that means? It's all the different ways to salvation or to God or whatever not true is it it's not true at all many in society are irritated by the the exclusiveness of our faith lots of people are cool with jesus jesus is the moral teacher the nice guy the judge not lest you be judged motivational speaker this is not jesus you know the fear isn't that people will believe in nothing the fear is people believe in anything you know what we're seeing I should say anything but the truth, which is Acts 4, 10 through 12. It says, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Can you see the greatness in this, guys? Jesus is talking about great, great power over death our greatest enemy. What greatness we worship. Our Father gives us a hint of His greatness, a hint by which we lovingly fear Him and worship Him. We all know the story of Job. He's the Bill Gates of his time, richest man in the world. When disaster hits, he loses everything. He loses everything, and he loses, he loses his children, he loses his health. Any worse than that. 
So Job begins, begins to complain, and he complains a lot. Job has many questions for the Lord, who has been silent throughout the whole book of Job. Finally, in chapters 38 and 39, the Lord speaks to Job, but Job doesn't get to ask the questions. No, the Lord is asking Job the questions. Strange, the one with all the answers is asking the questions. So God proceeds to ask Job 50 to 60 questions. Where were you when I established the earth? Who laid his cornerstone when the angels shouted for joy? Job couldn't answer those questions. And that was the point. Our Lord is awesome. And he wants to be, make sure we understand the best we can how awesome he is. Sorry. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen death, death's shadow? I didn't expect this, guys. Sorry. Our Father is telling us, I have. Christianity is much more than salvation. It speaks to all of life. Adam Cooper, a former Dutch prime minister and theologian, said, there's not a square inch of the whole domain of, of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. This is mine. Our Father has given, a, given himself to, to us through Jesus' his Son. Eternal life is before us. To follow Jesus is to be a disciple first and foremost. To follow Jesus is to worship him. Secondly, a disciple means servant. The Apostle John shows us a picture of Jesus as a servant. He's kneeling before the disciples to wash their feet. This is strange behavior because even Jewish slaves weren't required to wash feet. I know this doesn't, doesn't sound right, does it? It didn't sound right to Peter either until Jesus said, well, if, you, if I do not wash you, wash you, you have no share with me. What do you think Jesus meant by that? Jesus is firmly insisting that if we do not wash Peter's feet, in other words, if Peter refused to learn this lesson of servanthood, then he would have no part in the destiny of his master. Jesus loves us so much that he came to this earth not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve and give his life for us. As a servant, Jesus says to his disciples in John 13, Do you not know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and this is well said, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet I have given you an example of uh, what you also should do just as I have done for you the pattern of Jesus's passion for serving not only provided abstract truths for which they should know but a concrete example of what they should do in the first century humility was despised actually despised for the disciples, nothing could have dramatized this role of a servant more forcefully than the washing of feet. This means that to carry out the intentions of Jesus, we must search for ways to serve 
They have the same equivalent uh, impact as foot washing did in ancient Palestine. May we all have the hearts of the Macedonians that Paul records in 2 Corinthians. As I testify that on their own, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us to insistently, insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. They wanted to serve. And thirdly, to be a disciple is to be a witness. Receiving the gospel is like gaining an enormous treasure. It doesn't get any bigger than eternal life with God, does it? We have this great treasure, this great promise that God has given us. How much joy can you find, uh, can you find in sharing your treasure with someone else? How can you hold back something that everyone else needs? All right, I want to do an exercise real quick so nobody falls asleep here. On the count of three, I want everybody to say your first and last name, okay? All together. One, two, three. Jeff, you know. Meg, would you help Dave? You got it wrong. <laughs> One more time. One, two, three. Say your name. Oh, perfect. Perfect. You got to help that boy. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'd like to share a story that deeply touches me every time I read it. And uh, it's about a, a great witness for Christ, a man named John Harper. John Harper was an extraordinary Scottish pastor who was a man who craved for souls. His brother, George Harper, wrote, My brother was a man of might, uh, mighty in power. He was a master of, his holy, of the holy art. And I have been with him in prayer again and again when his whole frame shook. So earnest was he in his pleadings with God and for a perishing world. Little wonder hard hearts were broken and stubborn will subdued under his ministry. Fellow evangelist W.D. Dunn stated, I can say no pastor nor teacher nor evangelist ever moved my inner being more than the pleading and teaching of John Harper. He was always on fire for God and souls. How often I heard him say while lying on his face before God, covered in perspiration, Oh God, give me souls or I die. Well, in April 1912, John Harper, his daughter, and his niece were traveling on the Titanic to Chicago uh, for a planned three-month revival in the Moody Church. Leon, you remember that, don't you? Where are you? You remember that, Leon? Yeah, he's raising his hand. Yeah, yeah. You know how Leon's so old, he remembers when the Dead Sea was just sick. You know? <laughs> That's old. Survivors reported that uh, as the Titanic began to sink, Harper pleaded to people to prepare to die. He made sure his daughter and niece were placed on a lifeboat and then continued to share the gospel to whoever would listen. Five years later, a young Scotsman by the name of Aquila Webb gave this testimony. I am a... I wish I could speak in a Scottish accent, but I can't. This would be so much better. I am the, I am the survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a spar that awful night, the tide brought me Mr. John Harper of Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, 
I am not. He replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away. But strange to say, he brought him back a little while later, and he says, Are you saved now? No, I said. I cannot honestly say that I am. He said again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And shortly after, he went down. And there alone in the night with two miles. I never get through this. Every time. Alone in the night with two miles of water underneath me, I believed. I am the last. I am John Harper's last convert. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone in this room could hear that at least once in your life saying, I am a convert of your name. Luke 15 reminds us there is rejoicing in the presence of God's angels over one sinner, over one sinner who repents. Can you imagine what that sounds like? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. A relationship with Jesus is a glorious, ever-evolving dance. It seems that when you, the more time you spend with him, the more you'll be like him. It's like in our marriages. Have you ever noticed that the more, the more years you spend with your spouse, the more you become like your spouse? You guys notice that? She's coming around, isn't she, guys? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> okay. The more we want to see. So, the more we want to worship Jesus, the more we love each other, want to serve each other, the more we have this uncontrollable desire to share this wonderful news of salvation, the more we'll be like Jesus. And when grace is fulfilled, we'll know quite well this Jesus we are bowing down to and confessing as Lord. Can we pray? Jesus, lead us to the Father. By your Spirit, draw us near. As we come with awe and gladness, help us draw near. Alleluia, alleluia. Help us draw near. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.